Listen, all you New Yorkers. Hello. I hope no one's eating dinner. Something like that. What's up, everybody? It's 10 o'clock on Monday night, which means it's time for the next best thing. Dear Jesus. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Well, get ready. Don't go anywhere. We have a great, 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 great show lined up for you tonight. I can't even contain myself. But before we get to any of that, we'd like to kick the show off by doing what we always do, and that is review all of the great and the not-so-great things that have happened on... This Day in History. Today is July 24th, and on this day in history, in 1847, Mormon leader Brigham Young and his followers arrived in the valley of the Great Salt Lake in present-day Utah. On this day in 1866, Tennessee became the first state to be readmitted to the Union after the U.S. Civil War. On this very day in 1898, Amelia Earhart was born. On this day in 1933, U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt gave his fourth fireside chat. On this very day in 1956, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis officially ended their comedy duo-ship. They ended the partnership a decade after it began on July 25th, 1946. On this day, in 1969, the Apollo 11 astronauts splashed down safely in the Pacific Ocean. On this day, one year later in 1970, Jennifer Lopez, also known colloquially as J-Lo, was born. Happy birthday, J-Lo. On this day in 1974, the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously ruled that President Nixon had to turn over subpoenaed White House tape recordings to the Watergate Special Prosecutor. On this day in 1978, Billy Martin was fired for the first of three times as the manager of the New York Yankees baseball team. On this day in 1987, Holda Crooks, at 91 years of age, climbed Mount Fuji. Holda became the oldest person to climb Japan's highest peak ever. Congratulations, Holda. I'm sure you're dead now. And lastly, on this very day in 1998, Roy O. Disney received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Why did it take that long? Because Roy Disney didn't do jack shit. It was, it was Walt. Remember Walt? He did all the work. Why did Roy ever get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Well, I could tell you, but I don't know. And I'm just killing time now because that's what I do. Okay. That's what happened on this day in history. And who knows, perhaps we'll make history right here tonight on Radio Free Brooklyn and be studied for years to come. But who are we kidding? Probably not. You're listening to the next best thing. Stay tuned. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No, but it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, it's been a week. It's been a busy week. It's been a crazy week. I feel like I say that every week because I feel like that's true every week. Before we get into what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. If at any point throughout the broadcast you hear an item you would like to discuss or feel there's a tidbit that you could contribute to the show, by all means, feel free to call in. The call-in number is 718-928-9732. Again, that's 718-928-9RFB-9732. Or if you don't want to be heard on the air because you're a little bashful, no problem, you can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Or go ahead and like us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode, information, links to pertinent sites, all that stuff usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall. You can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something-something to keep us in business. If you like what you hear tonight, well, a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that. Uh, if you feel so inclined, you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. Again, that's rfb.nyc slash nbt. And the last thing I'll tell you before we get on to the important cool stuff is that all episodes of The Next Best Thing are now available on iTunes as podcasts. Holy crap, that is huge news. It actually happened weeks ago, but every time I say it, I just get a little excited because it's huge. I'm so freaking excited! If you ever miss an episode of The Next Best Thing, which, come on, let's be honest, you miss most of them, uh, you can go to the iTunes store or check the podcast app on your iPhone. Just type in the next best thing, click on our logo, which I trust you know, and there you will find literally all of the past episodes. You'll see the title so you can pick and choose which ones pique your interest or which ones just simply sound the most bearable. Listen to those, and if you have a few minutes, rate us, review us, tell a friend, tell a relative, tell an enemy, do whatever you got to do to spread the word because the word of mouth is how we grow. Oh, man, that was exhausting, wasn't it? It was for me. I'm sure it was for you, too. So, that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good. Uh, you know what? It's so great to be back here in the Radio Free Brooklyn studio, back in Brooklyn, back in New York City. For those of you who listened to the show last week, I was, I was away. I was... My intro to the show... Does anyone hear that buzzing? Bzz, bzz, 
must be something technical. I'm not going to mess with it because I know if I try and fix it, it could explode. Yikes! Yeah, so anyway, I was away last week in Kansas City, my hometown, and it was a rerun, a great rerun, one of the one of the most popular episodes of The Next Best Things. It was the episode where we went over the best movie scores and composers of all time. But I did give a little intro from Kansas City where I was walking my dog. It was on location, and boy, did it go well. I hope you enjoyed that because it was way more work than it was worth trying to do that little tiny intro on location. But hey, you live and you learn, and we did. Okay, folks, we have a great show put together for you tonight. We're going to discuss the best sports movies of all time. It's kind of, you know, it kind of carries over from last week's theme. Now, let me just say right up front, right from the get-go, that these movies on this list, obviously this list was put together by me, number one. Number two, I am telling you right now, there are going to be movies on this list that you think, huh, what the hell? I've never even heard of this movie, perhaps. And there are going to be movies left off the list that are on every other list of best sports movies you'll ever read. That's why they're not on my list. If you're going to see them on every other sports great movie list, then why would I put it on mine? You've already, you know it. And, for example, Hoosiers. Hoosiers is not on here. Neither is Any Given Sunday. Neither is Miracle or Miracle on Ice or anything like that. So just know that beforehand, okay? Because that's the truth, and I'm always going to be truthful with you. Now, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. Hello, and we're going to be right back. If there's no technical difficulties, I'm just going to sing a little song because it's taken so long. Oh, little Jesus, oh, little now, I can't believe this is happening. How the fuck could this happen to me? Seriously, what the? F okay, well, this is great. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, we'll be right back. If at any point throughout the broadcast you hear a topic you would like to discuss or feel you have a tidbit that you could contribute, please don't hesitate to call in. I would absolutely love it. It would make my day. How about you, Brandon? Would it make your day? I don't really care. Great! The number to call is 718-928-9RFB. Again, that's 718-928-9732. And you know what? Even if you just want to call in and say hello, or better yet, call in and say, You suck. Go ahead. It would be just as delightful. Now on with the show. Yes, 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 and who ha ha. Okay, you're listening to The Next Best Thing right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight. You know what else, really quick, I thought about while that break was taking place? That this, during my visit home, something that stuck out to me, it is so damn hard to get steps in when you're outside of the city. When you have access to a car, in other words. See, before I went to Kansas City, I was averaging over 16,000 steps a day. I know that's a lot, even for New Yorkers, but I was. I'm now down, I think, to like 15.500. 
which is not good, which is not good at all. I mean, it was seriously, it's hard for me to get less than 12,000 steps in, in a day here in New York, just any given normal day in Kansas city. I was walking the dog two or three times a day. I thought we went on a pretty lengthy walk. It was so hot though. I couldn't take him that many to couldn't take him out that much, but I was going on walks. I was trying to get my steps in. It was tough to get 10,000 steps in. And my mom was talking to me about getting fat. She can shove it up her. Never mind. I love you, mom. Okay. So let's get on to the main story for tonight. As I said, it is the best sports movies of all time. And by all time, I mean according to me. And if you don't agree, you can call in and fight with me about it. I love to fight. 718-928-9732. Or you can tweet at us, Next Best Radio, or anything else. All that other crap. Okay, so to kick the show, to kick the, our list off, this is a no, by the, punch the mic. I'm so goddamn excited I just punched the mic. This is in no real particular order. I love all of these movies, and I will say right off the bat that a lot of them, I tried to, I tried to vary it up as much as I could by sport, but I am a big baseball fan, and so most of these are baseball movies. I'm just going to say that, okay? Because I don't front. I don't front. The theme of the day is I don't front. Okay. First on our list is The Sandlot. Now, how can anyone argue with that? They just can't. And if they try, all it means is they're dumbasses. You dope. You know, I could have picked any. There were so many scenes I could have picked from The Sandlot. But for those of you, if you haven't seen The Sandlot, what is wrong with you? Go out and buy it or rent it and watch it. It is about a boy who, it takes place in the 50s, and it's about a boy who moves to a new town during the summer. He has no friends, and his mom says from the jump, I don't want you sitting, I don't want you just sitting in here working on these experiments all summer. Go out, get in trouble, get dirty, make some friends, you little piece of shit. And so he does. He goes to the baseball field, the sand lot, and forces himself upon these kids. He's not very good, but they take him under his wing and they become good friends. They eventually, they lose their baseball for the day. So he says, I have one. My stepdad has one in his office. I'll go get it. Turns out that baseball was signed by none other than George Herman Ruth, also known as Babe Ruth. Well, their baseball field is right next to a lot, an open lot, where there is a big beastly dog or creature that guards the lot. So any baseball that goes over the fence, they lose. Well, this one went over the fence, and instead of just wiping it and just brushing it off, they had to get it back. Here's a scene that takes place during their campout, an overnight, while they're trying to put together a plan. And one of the kids, with glasses, tells the story of the beast. Legend of the beast goes back a long time. For any of us could even pick up a baseball back to a place called Myrtle's Acres. It all started about 20 years ago when thieves kept stealing junk from Myrtle's Acres' junkyard. So Mr. Myrtle, the guy that used to own the place, got him a new pup from the dog pound. He fed him whole sides of beef and turned the pup loose in the junkyard. And the pup was grateful. Into the beast, and he grew big, and he grew mean. 
so that he could protect the junkyard with only one thing on his mind. To kill everyone that broke in. And he did. And he liked it. A lot. The Beast was the most perfect junkyard dog that ever lived. A true killing machine. But after a while, the cops started getting phone calls from people reporting all the missing thieves. The ones the Beast had killed. It added up to about 120, 173 guys. It's true. But they never found a single body, not one. Some people say they all got away, but we all know what really happened. The beast ate them. He ate them bone and all. The beast was too good at his guard dog job, so the police said he had to be retired. My grandpa Squigman Paladores was police chief back then, and he ordered Mr. Myrtle to turn his backyard into a fortress and chain up the beast and put him under the house where he could never get out to eat children and stuff. And that's where he's been for 20 years, and that's where he'll be for the rest of his life. Because when Mr. Myrtle asked the cops how long he had to keep the beast chained up like a slave, they said until forever. Forever, forever, forever. And so the beast sits there under that lean to, dreaming of the time when he can break the chain and get out. Dreaming of the time when he can chase and kill again. Okay, the real reason I picked that scene was just for that last line. Forever, forever. Moving right along. Indeed we are. Okay, the next movie is a great classic. It's a football movie. Now, I should give a little context for this scene. This is a scene from Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans starring Denzel Washington. It's a great, 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 great movie. If you haven't seen it, okay, I'm not going to say this for every movie. Basically, if I name a movie that you haven't seen, go out and rent it or buy it and watch it. Now, this movie is about a high school football team, and there is a coach who's been basically the defensive coordinator for a very long time, and when the position, the head coaching position becomes available, he thinks it's going to be his, it goes to a black man. And now this was back in the day, it was I think 1971, and it was a desegregated school in Virginia, and so he just kind of swallowed his pride, and they went about their business. He didn't quit. He did his, they didn't really work well together. Anyway, the story is they have to take these white kids and black kids and get them to be a cohesive unit, get them to be a team. And they do. And this scene that I'm about to play for you takes place when it's basically become clear that these referees are not calling the game correctly. They're trying to cheat for the all white team. And it's the coach who got screwed over who finally takes a stand, recognizes what's going on here, and says, I don't care that I got screwed over. Because basically what's happening is they're trying to win it for the other team because if the Titans lose, the black coach gets fired. Well, he's not about to let that happen. So he goes to the ref, and this is what happens. Great scene, great movie. Hey, Mr. Fisher. Mr. Fisher, can I talk to you for a second? Back off, coach, if you want to stay in this game. Up! 
got holding on 78 white. What are you? Are you trying to cheat my boys out the game? 15 more yards. Listen, let them play, ref. Let them play. Reasonable. Let them play. Let the boys play. Cheetah. Coach, come on. Cheetah. Go, 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 go. I know all about it, Titus. What are you talking about, Bill? You call this game fair, or I'll go to the papers. I don't care if I go down with you. But before God, I swear I'll see every last one of you thrown in jail. You dig your own grave. Defense on me! Okay, Petey, don't you drift to the strong side. Coach, they're calling a holding penalty on me every time. Did I ask for your excuses? You want to act like a star? You better give me a star effort. Do you hear me? Forget about him. Alan, you're in. Come on. All right. Now, I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. And if they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. All right, so then, uh, yeah, basically you hear a lot of crunching and tackling sounds. Good scene. The whole point was leave no doubt. Inspiring. That's the thing about these sports movies. Like, they, there's always that moment where it's like, team, nobody believed in us. We are losers, and everyone hates us. But we are in this game, and we're not going to lose, goddammit. And then they, you know, there's that building music, and they come back and win. Fun fact... Ryan Gosling was in this movie. This movie came out in 2000. He was a young gun. He played kind of the pretty boy. Ryan Gosling played linebacker Alan Bosley, who was kind of, you know, that nerdy, kind of loved to sing and wasn't, you know. It's funny. You should see the movie again if you haven't seen it in a while because he's, I think it's his first big movie role. Also, this was based on a true story. So, hey, that always adds an element of something. Moving right along. Okay, next movie. So we've had a baseball movie. That was a football movie. Now it's time for a basketball movie. Oh, boy. Everybody get up. It's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Space jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. All right. All right. A word or two about this movie. Look. First of all, I understand that this was not a piece of cinema magic. This was not a treasured piece of American cinema. I I say that right from the jump. And most of the reason why I put it on here is because for nostalgic reasons, number one. Number two, I will always be a worshiper of Michael Jordan. I was when this movie came out. I still am. I always will be. No one who ever walks onto a basketball court will ever compare to him. Along with Bo Jackson, I tell people that he was the closest thing we've ever come to having an actual, real-life superhero, number one. Number two, here's the thing about this movie. While I say and mean all of what I just said about Michael Jordan, he is not an actor, okay? So, he's not an actor. 
no question about it. He's not an actor. And he wasn't a good actor in this movie because, oh, what did I just say? Oh, that's right. He's not an actor. Here's why this movie's great. Number one, it was the first of its kind, and I think it should be the last of its kind, but apparently it will not be. LeBron James has to follow in Michael's footsteps and do everything he does. So I guess they're going to make a sequel. Not the point. This movie, first of all, it was awesome because it had all these, all the biggest NBA stars of the day were in this movie. Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Muggsy Bogues, Carl Malone, Larry Bird. He was obviously past his prime, but he was in the movie. It also had other people, non-basketball players in it who are awesome. Bill Murray. Bill Murray's a big part in this movie. And Bill Murray doesn't ever say yes to movies, but he said yes to this because, hello, Michael Jordan. Number three, Newman from Seinfeld's in it. He's in it, okay? Number four and last reason. This movie, if nothing else, it gave us some great music from none other than, that's right, the American composer R. Kelly. I used to think that I could not go on And life was nothing but an awful song But now I know we can fly no i don't okay but by the way that song it wasn't just inspirational to all of us youngsters at the time (laughs) because it was so inspirational but it reached number two on the billboard hot 100 it was kept from the number one spot only by tony braxton's unbreak my heart say you love me again Naturally. Naturally. Okay, here's the only scene I could find in which everyone makes an appearance. Pretty much, well, besides the besides most of the basketball stars. Although Larry Bird's in there. Here we go. Scene from Space Jam. What kind of camera is that? Would you not point that at me, please, and close the lens cap? Okay, so that was Bill Murray because they were taking a picture of Michael Jordan picking his ball, his golf ball, out of the cup when his when he was taking the picture he got lassoed and pulled into the hole so that's why bill murray's like what kind of camera is that that's bill murray okay on with the scene on with the scene Thank you. 
Oh, uh, look out for that toy step, Doc. It's a real Lulu. Bugs Bunny. Eh, uh, you were expecting maybe the Easter Bunny? You're a cartoon. You're not real. Not real, eh? If I weren't real, could I do this? Is that Michael? Michael! <laughs> it's Eric Jordan! I call I call. I did, I did kill Michael Jordan. Pardon me, Mr. Jordan. Uh, could I have your auto, auto uh, uh, your John Hancock, please? Back out! Let the doctor take a look! Whoops. A little high. No. Going down! <laughs> What do you say we go for a little spin? Yeah. Now let's see what we got inside here. You may who say all. All right, he's okay. What's going on here? Why, Michael? I thought you'd never ask. You see, these aliens come from outer space, and they want to make us slaves in their theme park. Eh, what do we care? They're little, so we challenge them to a basketball game. But then they show up, and they ain't so little. They're huge! We need to beat these guys, because they're talking about slavery. They're going to make us do stand-up comedy. The same jokes every night for all eternity. We're going to be locked up like wild animals and then trotted out to perform for a bunch of lowbrow, bug-eyed, fat-headed, humor-challenged aliens. Eh, what I'm trying to say is... We need your help! Yeah, but I'm a baseball player now. Right. And I'm a Shakespearean actor. Mike? Michael? It, it's Stan. It's Stan Podolak? Uh, look, I, I, I need you to come out now, okay? Because uh, you, you got a baseball game tomorrow. Oh, well, that was Newman. I had to let Newman get in there. If anyone's a Shakespearean actor... It's Michael Jordan. Did you notice how after all this crap was done to him and he was thrown up in a chair and all these Looney Tunes came out and poked it and prodded him? He was... What's going on here? He was totally concerned. He was totally... Yeah, he was committed. He was committed. I have some good news, you sons of bitches. This is the next best thing. Don't go. Okay, moving right along, you're listening to The Next Best Thing, and we are going through some of the best sports movies of all time. That was number th- That was the third one on our list, Space Jam. And now we are on to one that's actually a little more serious. This really is an amazing film, an important film. I wish I had the theme song, but I don't. One of them is... Batter up, do you hear that song? The time has come for one and all to play ball. Do you know it? Do you know it? A league of their own. Hey, Evelyn. Can I ask you a question? You got a moment? Mm-hmm. Which team do you play for? Well, I- I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering... Because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's not love. That's three feet above your ass. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. 
no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pig shit. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No! No! And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! There's no crying in baseball! So, another thing I love, love, love about A League of Their Own... By the way, A League of Their Own is... It's a 1992 movie. It's... Um, tells a fictionalized account of the real-life All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, the AAGPBL. Totally rolls off the tongue. What is that? It is a. It was a women's professional baseball league that was put together to have professional baseball here in America while the boys were at war, World War II. And it lasted a solid 11 years. So it was not just that fleeting. Okay, but another thing I love about that movie is the music. This was actually um, when we did Best Movie Music, Hans Zimmer was featured and he did the music for this. Here's a little sample. Very period music. All right. Now, here is a, I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, but it definitely has one of my favorite lines of all time. Not from this movie, but I mean in general. Uh, Okay, here's the scene, and we'll talk about it afterwards. It's a scene between Gina Davis and Tom Hanks. Dottie, write to us. We'll miss you. We will. Thanks. Good luck in the World Series. Taking a little day trip? No, um, Bob and I are driving home to Oregon. You know, I really thought you were a ball player. Well, you were wrong. Was I? Yeah. It is only a game, Jimmy. It's only a game, and and I don't need this. I have Bob. I don't need this. I don't. I, I gave away five years at the end of my career to drinking. Five years. And now there isn't anything I wouldn't give to get back any one day of it. 
Well, we're different. Chicken shit, Dottie. You want to go back home to Oregon and make a hundred babies? Great. I'm in no position to tell anyone how to live. But sneaking out like this, quitting, you regret it for the rest of your life. Baseball is what gets inside you. It's what lights you up. You can't deny that. It just got too hard. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. There you have it. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. It's the hard that makes it great. I think that is... I love that line. I think I... Yeah, I love that line. You could be. It could be said about so many things. So many things that not very many people do because it's hard. Okay, now, before we move on, there were so many... Um, this was such an amazing cast. Um, Gina Davis obviously played the lead, Dottie Henson. Tom Hanks played their kind of washed-up manager, but also featured was Madonna, um, Rosie O'Donnell. She was great in this movie, among other people. Uh, and I feel bad that the scenes I played didn't include them. So here's just a... You know, this was directed by... Um, shit. The girl, the woman from Laverne and Shirley. Who talks like this? Rosie, okay, it's like we're going to do this, but you got to be... Okay, anyway, here's her talking with Rosie O'Donnell about the casting process. I'll think of her name. That was a fun movie, that League of Their Own. Let yes. me just tell you right now. It yeah. doesn't get old. No, it, and thank God, because I did it the way I did it, which was I wouldn't read an actress unless they passed the baseball test. Right. I can't double people. Right. Many people. Yeah. And that's almost how Rosie got in it. It's the total way I got in. Yeah. My agent called me. I was a VJ. And she said, uh, do you know how to play baseball? I was like, if there's anything I can do better than Julia Roberts, it's baseball. <laughs> right? That's the only thing. And I remember saying to myself, if I didn't get in this film, I wasn't going to try to be in movies. Because I thought this was the perfect kind of role for me. Right? Well, and I, she passed with flying colors. Rod Dato, the late Rod Dato from USC. Right. Tried all the girls out. People at St. John's. All baseball coaches all over the country tried out girls. And there were some great actresses that can't play. At all. At all. Then one came in ballet slippers. You can't. Try. <laughs> Come on. And so if they were passed, were good players or trainable, then I could read them. Now, Rosie, I think you read 52 parts. Yes, I did. Because, I read for a lot of parts. Because it was like, where? And she could fill in. She was a good actress, actually. And so... Hard to believe, but it's true. It was. And then one girl dropped out, who was supposed to be the pretty girl. Right. Her pilot went. Right. And so I went to Madonna. And then I just couldn't keep looking for people. And so Madonna, I said, okay, Rosie and Madonna. Okay, Rosie, you're going to be her best friend. And you were like, <gasps> Yeah, because, my, 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 right, well, Truth or Dare had just come out, right? And I was dating a guy at the time, remember, Michael? Michael? Tall Michael I was dating. It was my brief hetero period. Do you no, remember no. that? No? You know, I had a moment. In, Just a uh, moment, yeah. In Evansville, too, with a... Oh, that's right. Zip it. Zip it. it. Yeah. No names on no location. No names, but boy, was he handsome. Anyway, uh, yeah, I was dating Michael, and we went to see Truth or Dare, and he said to me, you know, I beg you, if you ever met Madonna, you'd be friends. And I said to him, you're such an idiot. She's the most famous woman in the world. She's a rock and roll superstar. I'm just a comedian. I will never meet her. Two days later, Rosie... Madonna's coming in. If she makes you laugh, if you like her, maybe she'll do the movie trying to be funny. <laughs> no, I said, Madonna, you teach her how to... 
Good times. Two friends sharing some good memories. The director was Penny Marshall. That was her talk and they're about roasting Madonna's coming in and you're going to make a laugh. Gary Marshall, Penny's brother, was also in the movie. One of my favorite scenes, I'm not going to play it because we have to move on, but was the scene where the girls on the Rockford Peaches baseball team were taken to, like, refined school and the woman's going gracefully and grandly, gracefully and grandly. You know, trying to teach them how to be proper women. Do you know, cross your legs, sip the tea, don't slurp. That kind of stuff. All right. All right. Hello? Moving right along. That was delayed. Better delayed than denied. The next movie, believe it or not, is a golf movie. What? A golf movie. It's not Caddyshack, so don't get your hopes up. It is, and I would, you know, this is the truth. If I'm going to have to pick a golf movie on my list, it would be this one. Happy Gilmore. Don't if you want to fight about it, call in 718-928-9732. Otherwise, just sit there, shut up, and enjoy this clip from Happy Gilmore. This is when Happy Gilmore, played by Adam Sandler, who is really a terrible hockey player but is now trying to make some money playing golf, is in a celebrity tournament with Bob Barker of The Price is Right. Come on down! You know Bob Barker. I think he's retired. He is retired, but he wasn't at this point. Now, at this point in the movie, there's some jackass guy who's trying to get in the head of Happy and screw him up. And boy, is he succeeding. And it leads to a little throwdown between Happy Gilmore and Bob Barker. Holy crap, here we go. You're going to need a blanket and suntan lotion because you're never going to get off that beach just the way you never got into the NHL, you jackass. <laughs> the green's that way. Sure. <laughs> you will not make this putt, you jackass. <laughs> nice shooting, soldier. <laughs> All right, happy, nice and easy. <laughs> that was not nice and easy. <laughs> that guy's driving me crazy. You know what's driving me crazy? You not getting the ball in the hole. Don't push me, Bob. Now's not the time. We haven't seen Happy Gilmore play this badly since his first day on tour. He and Bob Barker are now dead last. I can't believe you're a professional golfer. I think you should be working at the snack bar. You better relax, Bob. There is no way that you could have been as bad at hockey as you are at golf. All right, let's go. Ooh! You like that, old man? You want a piece of me? I don't want a piece of you. I want the whole thing. Price is wrong, bitch. Oh my goodness. Moving right along. Okay, next we have a... Now this is kind of out of left field. It's a soccer movie, and it's not the big green. This is a movie starring Ronnie Dangerfield. 
I get no respect, no respect. Did you ever know he was in a soccer movie? Well, he was. He was in a movie where he was kind of an underling at a big company, and he gets himself into a pickle where he now has to coach the company's soccer team, which is made up of his boss's daughter and her friends. It's called Ladybugs. I almost made this the theme for the next best thing because I knew almost no one had ever seen it and I like it, but I didn't. All right, this movie, by the way, this movie opens with him at like some health self-help seminar when he's like, stand up. I am great. I am wonderful. Everybody likes me. And he's like, yeah, it's just funny. It's a funny movie. You really should see it. In order to, the girls are just god awful. Go figure. And so in order to kind of get an edge, he takes his stepson, dresses him up like a girl. He's a really good soccer player. So he dresses him up like a girl, names him Martha, and craziness ensues. It's a great movie. It's basically a bunch of Rodney Dangerfield one-liners. Like, hey, here's a scene from the movie in which he's kind of pleading with his boss to be like, look, these girls are really terrible. You know, we're getting better. But, you know, Mr. Mr. Mullen, please. Oh, this game is a big one for you today, Julie. Mullen's going to be here. Well, you are righteous, though. You don't know how right you are. In fact, he's walking towards you right now. Well, uh, I'll see you. i got to go check out the girls. Chester. Oh, Mr. Mullen, how are you? <laughs> you know, I, uh, I remember our last conversation. I know you wanted a winning team, you know, but it just takes time. I mean, don't be angry, huh? It'll work out. They're getting better. I mean, you know how girls are. They never come through right away, you know? Whoa, <laughs> you know, whoa, whoa, I mean, whoa, 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 Chester, take it easy. Slow down. You've got it all wrong. You've made terrific progress. You almost won the last game. My wife and I are very pleased. Really? Of course we are. Are you kidding? And this new girl you got on the team, Martha? I hear she's great. Oh, she is. She is. She's really something different, you know? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, I'm happy you feel that way, Mr. Mullen. <laughs> Chester, call me Dave. Oh. Okay, Dave. Chester, you keep up the good work. This time next year, you'll have ten men under you. Hey, Dave, can you make it women? <laughs> Chester! I'm looking for Coach Chester. Oh, yeah, hi, right here. Well, I'm Coach Annie with the Beavers. And so far this year, we're undefeated. And I heard about your team. So far this year, you've lost two. Well, Coach Chester, make ready to make it number three. Oh, you're pretty sure of yourself, aren't you? Yeah, well, I know what my girls can do. And I just want to tell you that your team is going to get crashed. I guess you're going to play too, huh? <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you one thing, she's not two-faced. If she was, she'd wear the other one, huh? <laughs> the ladybugs are losers, Chester! Because you're a loser! What a lady. Boy, when she walks in the room, mice jump on chairs. <laughs> At Christmas, they hang her and kiss the mistletoe. Oh, I tell you, if she went to a dog show, she'd win. <laughs> Chester, good luck. Okay, Mr. Mullen. So, like I said, a bunch of Rodney Dangerfield one-liners. 
But it's a good movie. It's a funny movie. You should see it. It's a good soccer movie, and there aren't very many of them. Moving right along. Okay, now, here on our next movie is, get this, a bobsled movie. Now, if you don't know what movie I'm talking about, right off the get-go, then you are just an idiot, and I should slap you silly. I'm talking about cool runnings. <laughs> Some people say you know them can't believe Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. We have yes. this one there is. and Junior. You Sanka. The fastest of the fastest of Jamaican sprinters. Go to Olympics, fight for Jamaica. We now come to the second chance for the four intrepid men from Jamaica. What do they have to do, John? In reality, Al, I don't think the Jamaicans have any chance of winning a medal. Dear God, just let it be better than yesterday. All right, for those of you who don't know, and I can't imagine there are very many, John Candy's in this movie. It was his third to last film of his career and the last of his films to be released during his lifetime. Now, the film is loosely based on the true story of the Jamaican national bobsled team's debut in competition during the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It's a great movie. The film received positive reviews, and the soundtrack became popular as well with jimmy cliff's cover of i can see clearly now the rain is gone i'm not going to do any more than that because i couldn't do it justice all right so now i just think it's time to go moving right along okay now i'm gonna say this right up front most i think the rest of the movies are all baseball movies so get ready because they're great We've had a bobsled movie, a soccer movie, a golf movie. Heck, wait, a football movie? There could be a many football movies. The Mighty Ducks is not on here. There is no hockey movie. Again, I invite anyone who wants to call in and fight about this or, you know, have a have a cordial debate, please, 718-928-9732. But in the meantime, we're going to move right along here. I wouldn't, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Major League, the movies. Now, this was... This I think there's like four of them now. The first two were good. Wesley Snipes was in the first one, but he didn't do the second one. Charlie Sheen is in most of them. But here's the funny thing about this movie, among other things. It's, you know, it revolves around the Cleveland Indians, a real Major League Baseball team. How lucky are Cleveland fans that they have this to all commemorate and kind of bond over for the rest of time. There's no movies about the Royals, sons of bitches. Now, um... Number one. Number two, Bob Euchre, who is actually the play-by-play guy for the Milwaukee Brewers, he plays the play-by-play guy in this movie, and he makes the movie. And we're going to get to him in a second. There's a drop of his I use all the time. Here it is. It's from Major League. Here's the pitch. Oh, shit. Yes, I use that a lot when referencing my Royals. But not tonight. They're winners. Six in a row. Go, baby, go. Um, All right, so here's... 
from Major League One, here's the a scene that kind of takes place at the beginning of the film when the owner, who's played by this sultry, who's a sultry woman who knows nothing or cares nothing about baseball, is telling her baseball men how they're going to go about putting together this year's roster. Here's a list of the players we'll be inviting to camp. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. The facts are we lost our two best players to free agency. We haven't won a pennant in over 35 years. We haven't placed higher than fourth in the last 15. Obviously, it's time for some changes. This guy here is dead. Cross him off, then. <laughs> this guy here is dead. Fun fact, the first voice you heard where he said, I've never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. That is Dan Castellanata. He does the voice of Homer Simpson, among many, many other characters on The Simpsons. Fun fact. Now, again, as I said before, and I'll say it again, Bob Euchre, in my opinion, is what makes these films totally. And so here's a little featurette of his best work in these movies. It's cool, it's overcast, and it's foggy on opening day here in Cleveland. Hello again, everyone. I'm Harry Doyle, along with my good friend and partner, Monty, what's his name, giving a big wahoo welcome to all the Cleveland faithful. Rick Vaughn gets the starting call today. We're told he matured a lot over the winter. Apparently, he's bathing now. Congratulations, Rick. As you know, Monty, Vaughn's been working on a couple of new pitches, the Eliminator and the Humiliator, to complement his fastball, the Terminator. I heard that. Dynamite drop in, Monty. That broadcast school has really paid off. All right. Yeah, those were okay. Those really weren't his best moments, but you get the idea. Okay, we got to keep moving along here. Moving right along. To be honest with you, his best line, I still believe, is... Here's the pitch. Oh, shit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so the next two are our final of the evening, and they're both baseball movies, and they're two of my all-time favorites. And I don't, at least with this one, the one that I'm first going to touch on, I don't truly know why. I think it must be a lot to do with nostalgia, um, to be completely honest. I remember seeing this movie in the theater when I was six years old. And it was for a friend's birthday party. And then I saw it in the theater again with my grandma and cousins. So it was like, ooh, I guess. Okay. But, but of course, what else could I possibly be talking about but Angels in the Outfield? Oh, yes. Angels. Touched by an angel in the outfield enough of that um no but really here's the thing first of all again i do believe that a lot of it has to do with nostalgia nostalgia but at the same time this movie has a star-studded cast it stars danny glover tony danza who's the boss tony danza's the boss christopher lloyd doc from back to the future and uncle fester from the adams family movies hello top notch also, a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. If you don't know who that is, then I can't help you. Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. Academy Award winner Adrian Brody plays a nerdy, crappy baseball player in this movie. Big break. Matthew McConaughey's in this. Neil McDonough is in this. Another Academy Award winner named uh, Brenda... 
Rinda Fricker. She's also in this. So it's a star-studded cast. But if you don't know, now this was a remake. This movie was originally made in 1951 starring Janet Leigh. But this came out in 1994 and George, or excuse me, Danny Glover played George Knox, the washed up, angry, bitter, has-been manager of the California at the time. They were called the California Angels. They are now the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Stupid. They should just be the Anaheim Angels. Am I right? Um, and he's, he's, they're just god awful. I mean, they are like the bad news bears, but worse. And at the beginning of the film, well, he is just full of anger and he scares you. He scares me. No matter who we play, we give the game away. Cause we can't win. That would be a sin. We even lose the games before they Save it, Maple! Bummer. One more loss! One more loss which could have been a win! You call yourselves professionals. I have never ever seen a worse group of 25 players. You don't think as a team. You don't play as a team. You don't even lose as a team. You all got your heads so far up your butts, you can't even see the light of day. One more loss and I'll, and I'll do this. I want you here in uniform at nine tomorrow. We're going back to work on fundamentals. Fundamentals? In the middle of the season? I thought the game started at one. It does start at one, and you're a jackass. No, I'm a pitcher. You can be a pitcher and a jackass. See, it's very common. So that was towards the beginning of the film. Then Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, who also happens to be an orphan, goes back to the foster home he's staying in, and he finds his deadbeat dad there. And knowing that the angels are in dead last place and suck huge donkey balls, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character says to his dad, Hey, Dad, when are we going to be a family again? And the deadbeat dad says, From where I'm sitting... When the angels win the pennant, thinking they'll never win the pennant. <laughs> There's never a chance in hell they're going to win the pennant. They're terrible. I can say this. It's never going to happen. We're never going to be a family. Goodbye, kid. Well, then he prays for it. And of course, because everything we pray for comes true, Christopher Lloyd comes and answers his prayers, brings angels with him, and they suddenly become really good. And suddenly they're playing in the, I guess, the ALCS. I've never really understood this. In the Towards the end of the movie... They're not playing in the World Series. So what? Are they playing? I don't know what they're playing in. I guess it's in the American League Championship or the, yeah, American League Championship Series. I don't know. But all I know is this. For that game, no angels can come and help for some reason. So here's George Knox, played by Danny Glover, who's suddenly not so angry. He's suddenly a great manager talking to his pitcher about, just listen. Will pull Mel Clark. All I can say is, it's about time. You got nothing left. Yeah, you do. You got one strike left. (sighs) 
You got an angel with you right now. Just got here. And he's going to help. That's the signal. And at that point, the whole stadium starts doing the angel signal, which is arms flapping to the side like a bird or an angel, I guess. Now, I'm reminded right at that moment of another reason why I probably like this film more than seems appropriate, I guess. I love the music in this film. Now, this is not a, now I did not feature this score in my best movie music show. So I'm going to take this opportunity to kind of showcase this is a score by Randy Edelman. And fun fact, and I don't think they want people to know this because there's no like attribution to it anywhere that I can find, but the Kansas City Royals, for home games, when a Royal hits a home run, they play parts of this from Angels in the Outfield. This is the main theme composed by Randy Edelman.
triumphant, right? That part, I really do love that part. That with the French horns, it's just lovely. And we, before we move on, I have to play this part because it's the very end of the movie, and it's Christopher Lloyd making sure we all know that when it comes to angels, we're always watching. I think that's beautiful. We're always watching in a good way. Okay, anywho, not to sound creepy. Moving right along. On to my final film, which I think is a little, to be honest, I do. I believe is underrated. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but I do. I believe it is underrated. And here it is. If you don't know, if you don't know what this movie is just by hearing this little bit of it, well then, I'm just going to slap you in the face. I love this movie. This movie has a very important, special place in my heart. My dad loved this movie. This is one of like 17 sports movies that Kevin Costner has been in. I don't know what that's about, by the way, but it's a. I love this movie. It has a score by James Horner. It features Kevin Costner, as I said, and also James Earl Jones, who also, by the way, we're coming full circle here, James Earl Jones was also in The Sandlot. He plays the, the guy... Who lives with the beast and well i i mean i was gonna say one of if not the most iconic speeches from a sports movie comes from james earl jones I, here's the thing about field of dreams that i think does make it a little different than most sports movies if you notice in every movie i've played so far there is some team or athlete that's going up against someone else they're going to struggle and fight and train and practice because they have a big tournament to win or game to play in or whatever you know in um this well i guess the sandlot not really but remember the titans they have that big game space jam the toon squad has to play the monstars let's see what else do they play a league of their own they play in the playoffs and the two sisters go up against each other happy gilmore he's trying to beat shooter mcgavin and so on and so forth but in Field of Dreams, there's really not that element. It's not about competition and rising to the challenge and winning, coming out victorious. It's more about a relationship between son and father. It's more about kind of finding pieces of history that have been lost and putting the pieces back together to kind of finish the unfinished business and stories of these former players and whatnot. It's just, it's different. It's different for a lot of reasons. One of which is because of this speech, given perfectly by James Earl Jones. All right, all right, all right, all right. This is fascinating. It is. But the fact remains is that you don't have the money to bring the mortgage up to date, so you're still going to have to sell it. 
I'm sorry, Ray. We got no choice. Ray. People will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. For it is money they have and peace they like. Ray, just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers. Sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines. Where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game. And it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick that I have to brush them away from their faces. Ray, when the bank opens in the morning, they'll foreclose. People will come, Ray. You're broke, Ray. You sell now or you lose everything. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Ray, you will lose everything. You will be evicted. So what happens? I guess you'll have to see the movie and find out. But like I said, another this is another one of those movies where a part of what just uh, part of my what just really kind of captivates me is the score, is the music, and way more so than Angels in the Outfield. This is a score by James Horner.
Okay. Yeah, that theme, haunting and amazing. Bum, 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 bum. I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so those are all the movies I had on my list. I know I left a lot out because I did that on purpose. I, we don't have enough time to go through every single great sports movie, but I wanted to go over some that I love and some that I don't think get, I don't think get talked about much and don't really make many people's lists. Like Ladybugs. How many people have you heard talk about Ladybugs? Not very many. I bet. And why is that? Because Ronnie Dangerfield gets no respect. No, no more respect. All right. I'm glad that we finished a little early because I wanted to play this for you. I'm glad we have enough time. You know how ESPN does those 30 for 30 documentaries? Yes! This is a hilarious, kind of a fake 30 for 30 on the Angels 94 season which is basically if the Angels in the Outfield movie were real. Here's a documentary on it. A very short documentary, but a hilarious one nonetheless. If you like that movie, then you'll love this. Enjoy. This was arguably the best turnaround we'd ever seen. Not just in baseball, but in all of sports. At a certain point, you just had to ask yourself, is this real? There was nothing mystical about it. There weren't angels, but something was going on. 30 for 30. Angels entered the 94 season with one of the worst rosters imaginable. I mean, they had a catcher who could barely run. They had a pair of outfielders who constantly collided at each other. And their star pitcher, Whit Bass, I don't, I don't think he could even read. And to top it all off, their manager was a liability. I mean, it's, it's almost like he was fighting with his team, in a way. And he actually fought his team. He, he was he was kind of mean at times. I mean, one time he threw something, and um, I don't know if you remember, but the, the bat hit me in the head. I still don't understand how he wasn't fired. And in the midst of a historic losing streak, one strange day in July, the Angels start to turn things around. That, sports fans, is a play you're going to see run in baseball highlights for years to come. Ben Williams, this guy had no business even playing in the big leagues. He was a terrible hitter. He was a horrible defensive outfielder. And then, out of nowhere, he makes the greatest catch in Major League history. That was when the, the whole season started to make everyone believe in us and made us believe in ourselves. And I remember a play the next week where Danny Hemmerling scored on an infield ground ball. Some moments in sports you remember in slow motion and that Hemmerling play was one of them because the ball was actually traveling in slow motion. Hemmerling hit that ball and somehow there were 17 errors on that one play. Beat the previous record by 14 errors. It was the first time in Major League history that a catcher, first baseman, and a pitcher all made an error on the same play in which the pitcher also hit them in the face with his baseball glove. And Mel Clark hasn't started a game in this decade. When I was in double A, I looked up to Mel Clark. But the Mel Clark of 94 wasn't the same guy. He hadn't started a game in four years. Knox throws Mel Clark on the mound in July, and he posts a second half that ranks right up there with the best of the decade. Ricky Vaughn in 96, Pedro Martinez in 99, Henry Rowan Gardner in 93. Clark's numbers were better. I've never seen Clark have command of the strike zone like that. If it wasn't Angels, I don't know what it was. Everyone wanted to believe that this was legitimate, but it's clear something else was happening. I have a statement I'd like to read. There have been reports that I've been using angels to help the team win. Angels? That's the explanation. I found that insulting. 
You know, the only reason that why the guy wasn't getting laughed out of the room was because it was the 90s and there were a lot of bizarre things happening in the world of sports. If a hockey player can win the Masters, if a golden retriever can play basketball, if Michael Jordan can play with Bill Murray and Tweety Bird, then maybe we can believe that the Angels can actually win baseball games. And to show you the kind of hole Knox has on the press, there's only one person in the room who questions the thing. George, does this mean you really think that a kid sees angels at your games? The truth is, the guy was making some really legitimate points, but no one listened to him because the guy just sounded like a jerk. At that point, everybody in California was on Team Knox. Well, I have to say, they made me a believer. I believe. We all believed. Oh, and we just knew we were going to win. But during this pennant run, everybody was so wrapped up in angel fever that nobody took the time to ask, why is this manager spending so much time with two little kids? I think it was creepy. The angels can help the team uh, when it comes to getting to the playoffs. Once it's time for the pennant, they cannot help anymore. That is the rule. What's the purpose of that rule? That seems a little arbitrary. Al makes the rules. Who is Al and why does he spend his time helping a baseball team instead of helping starving children? So Roger could be with his dad again. Coach spent a lot of time with, with, with those young guys, but um, they said that the, the one of the boys could see angels. I, I, I don't know if that's true. I just think that Coach Knox was great and wanted to help those little boys out. The following season, the team is back in last place. Knox is fired by the All-Star break. The angels dream is over. Would you say the use of steroids aided the California Angels during the 1994 season? Mr. Conseco? No doubt in my mind. Absolutely. Mr. Bass, was the team using steroids? It was Angels. I don't even know how to do steroids. Another weird thing about that season is it seemed like they never played a road game. Too funny. Well, folks... That's just about all the time we have this week. As always, thanks for listening to The Next Best Thing. You can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode. Usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall. You can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page and donating a little something-something to keep us in business. You can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. Again, that's rfb.nyc slash nbt. And the last thing I'll tell you is that all episodes of The Next Best Thing are now available on iTunes as podcasts. Holy crap, that is huge news. It actually happened weeks ago, but every time I say it, I just get a little excited because it's huge. If you ever miss an episode of The Next Best Thing, uh, you can go to the iTunes store or check the podcast app on your iPhone. Just type in The Next Best Thing, click on our logo, which I trust you know, and there you will find literally all of the past episodes. You'll see the title so you can pick and choose which ones pique your interest 
or which ones just simply sound the most bearable. Listen to those, and if you have a few minutes, rate us, review us, tell a friend, tell a relative, tell an enemy, do whatever you gotta do to spread the word, because the word of mouth is how we grow. Okay, it's been a great show, I... I'm glad to be back in New York City, and remember, friends, as I say every week, and I mean it every week, apathy is the enemy. We didn't talk a lot about Donald Trump or the news tonight, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't stay informed, stay up to date, read, watch the news, listen to NPR, do whatever you gotta do to stay on top of stuff. Apathy is the enemy. For Radio Free Brooklyn, this has been The Next Best Thing. I'm John Lerner. Until next week, good night.